Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. For example, you know, they were pioneers in the true direct-to-consumer model with going directly with direct response through every channel possible, through Parade Magazine, where they'd have the old wave radio in there, we'd clip out the little coupon and send it back in and buy it direct, or the stores that he started to create in really high-end mall environments for this premium brands that would allow demonstrations of the incredible technology. And he was just very, very scientific and thoughtful about the way that he would create marketing programs around this. Welcome to today's episode of Brave Commerce. I'm Rachel Tippograph, the founder and CEO of Micmac. I'm Sarah Hofsetter, president of Profitero. And this is a show that talks about what's relevant in e-commerce for the world's biggest brands. Do you consider yourself a T-shaped person? Consider myself a pear-shaped person, but <laughs> I think anybody in a leadership position needs to be somewhat T-shaped. You have to be able to go deep in something. I once learned this concept actually from an executive coach about having three powers. You've got your personal power, your positional power, and your content power. The positional power is the easiest. That's your title. Not to say it's the easiest, but it becomes easy to be a crutch. If you just have your title, then nobody's going to follow you because they're going to think you're an empty suit. If you've got your content power, then you've got a subject matter expertise that makes you much more earning of your positional power. But then if you have personal power and you're able to lead with influence, not just with control, those three become super duper important in being able to be a holistic T-shaped leader. It's just the question is, which of those powers do you go deep on from a vertical perspective? Long answer to a short question, but I think it's important to kind of think about what's the vertical and what's the horizontal. Yeah. I have this conversation often between developing your functional expertise versus developing your subject matter expertise. And at the end of the day, what I always tell people is you need both. Like you can't just rely on one if you want to continue to grow your career. Oh, absolutely. And the functional expertise becomes, frankly, in our space, dated very quickly. So you have to figure out ways to have this continuous learning, but also applicability to where and how and what that means for you and the, the people you're trying to get to follow you. In the, the nature of us trying to diversify the conversations, diversify expertise so we can all grow together, 
We're finally bringing on guests onto the show that are outside of CPG. We love you, CPG, but we're trying to also touch other product verticals. And we got a big one on the show today, which is Bose. Yes. And what's nice about Jim Mollica, the CMO of Bose, is that he's not just a consumer electronics guy who's been in consumer electronics his whole career. He's spanned entertainment, having been at Viacom and Disney. He spent many years at Under Armour. So I think it's that continuous journey of that functional expertise, but also making sure that the timelessness of certain elements of marketing and storytelling don't get lost. So I think he's a great bridge into diversification. Although I would say having the president of Hasbro a couple weeks back, that's no small feat. So Rach, props to you, my friend. We'll keep getting those big gets and let's hear from Jim. Jim, thank you so much for joining this combination family reunion, as well as a riveting conversation about commerce and bravery. Oh, thank you so much, Sarah. Really appreciate it. Appreciate the time. Really looking forward to the chat. There's a lot to chat about. I cannot believe it has been almost two years since you joined Bose after many years at Under Armour before that Viacom Disney. I feel like we've known each other forever. Yeah. Long time and very good memories Indeed. ranging from New York to Baltimore to now <laughs> Framingham. So taking a look back at your diverse career, What's the same and what's different about marketing entertainment versus apparel versus consumer electronics? Very, very different spaces. And you could say a marketer is a marketer is a marketer, but we all know they're so much different also. You're right in the sense that the fundamentals and the process that you go about are the same, but there are nuanced differences that have started to creep into how you market within each one of those categories differently. So look, when I first started in entertainment, the storytelling was there for you. It was already created by the creators. That was both a blessing and a curse because it's there, it's packaged. It has to be compelling for engagement or else people aren't going to tune in, aren't going to go to the movies, aren't going to listen to it. But it's also a challenge for the way that you would market something to try to draw an audience. So I think Different than apparel and consumer electronics, where you have to look for that strategic platform, that creative in, it's the storytelling's already built in in entertainment. However, what I will tell you is that what has started to happen, and I think like the first time I remember it happening, be interested to get your perspective on this, you know, either you or Rachel. First time I remember additional backstory being. So put into entertainment was Blair Witch. And that was the first time I was like, oh, wait a minute. There is a place for marketing to create backstory storytelling to help the marketing of the program, which a lot of apparel companies and consumer electronics companies, the best brands do well. And so you started to see that. And like the latest example I, I might put out there is The Watcher, right? There's a lot of compelling storytelling about how it was real and how people were citing past articles about what went on in that Jersey community. So I think those two worlds are starting to converge. I think the other thing that's different is in obviously in consumer electronics and apparel, it's brand led, whereas in entertainment, it's franchise led. And in franchises, you basically have a burst when you're trying to push people out for a new tentpole, you know, a movie premiere or a launch of a new program. In apparel and consumer electronics, there's a much longer sustain. So you really have to figure out 
how you keep people engaged over a long period of time. The analogy with Blair Witch is interesting because I feel what you're really getting at is how you build fandom. Yeah, totally. For consumer products, yeah. It just gives you a different layer of depth and intrigue and interest to it, right? Mm -hmm. And I think if you're able to build a little bit more engagement in the story overall and create universes around it, I think it becomes a more complex narrative and that attracts people. And I think it's the same with brands. Talking of of backstories, I mean, Bose is a, a pretty awesome one. I always wondered why Bose was headquartered in Boston. And and then when I learned the origin story, it made a lot of sense. Yeah. But there was a gentleman named Dr. Bose. Yes. Who was an electrical engineer, right? And a sound engineer at MIT. Yep. And he was obsessed with trying to figure out how to create extraordinary sound. Yeah. His story is incredible. Not like, like I've been fortunate enough to work for some really incredible founder, CEO-led companies. And what strikes me is, they have a personal need that is unarticulated in the marketplace and they go out and they look to satisfy that and they become disappointed and then they go and create it themselves. And, you know, it was true with Kevin Plank and Under Armour. It was true with Ralph Lauren. It's true with Dr. Bose. And Dr. Bose was a professor at MIT at the time. He was looking for incredible sounds. He went out and bought what he thought were state-of-the-art speakers, brought them home and listened to them and thought he sounded terribly. I can do this better and created this incredible product. And that led to this iconic brand being created that's dedicated to sound and, you know, a beacon of people showing up and wanting to create better sound experiences. But really, it was this unarticulated need that he was able to help solve and create the storytelling around, you know, the mystique around the Bose brand all those years ago. So joining an organization where the founder's DNA was engineering, just from my own personal experience, being a founder-led company, my DNA is sales and marketing versus you go to another company where the DNA is engineering and the cultures are very different. What has it been like joining an engineering-led culture as the head of marketing? Rachel, this is why this podcast is so incredible, because as marketers, like the subtext of that question is so clear, right? Because I think for people that have gone into a non-marketing-led company, a product-dominant or engineering-dominant company, it's different. Mm -hmm. Look, Dr. Bose was a super unique individual. He was an incredible engineer. But he may have been actually a better marketer. He introduced all kinds of novel concepts, whether it was the incredible direct response elements that he took to radio with the old Paul Harvey show or in Parade Magazine as he started to sell. Wait, wait, wait. For our younger audience, you got to contextualize because I grew up like seeing the back of what was it like Parade Magazine as well as the back of like New York Times Magazine. Yeah. Like you couldn't escape the fact that Bose was a just... In a class of its own. Right. When Dr. Bose was like, <sighs> yes. Contextualize, give us a little bit of history lesson here. Guy was an incredible marketer to the point where when he was thinking about launching the audio for vehicles, for cars, he was going to do it with General Motors. And before he started to get underway on the project, he went and spent a couple of months working every day in a car dealership, just hanging around, listening to how consumers bought their cars. And it was just like deep ethnography research. And he would bring that type of consumer insight and that type of marketing back into 
Bose as a whole. So, for example, you know, they were pioneers in the true direct-to-consumer model with going directly with direct response through every channel possible, through Parade Magazine, where they'd have the old wave radio in there, where you'd clip out the little coupon and send it back in and buy it direct, or the stores that he started to create in really high-end mall environments for this premium brand that would allow demonstrations of the incredible technology. And he was just very, very scientific and thoughtful about the way that he would create marketing programs around this. And so for him, it was just natural. However, for the rest of the organization, I think it's safe to say it wasn't. They just created great products. When you had a marketplace where was less competitors, less channels to market in, higher bars to get into those channels, you know, it was easier to compete. And as we move through time, as the channels expand, as more competitors come on the scenes, like there's a greater and greater demand for marketing innovation. And Dr. Bo's not being around anymore. You know, the company was creating all these incredible products. But I think there was an opportunity to really tell the story and connect with an audience differently. Everything from the go-to-market process to how where Consumer Insights sat. Consumer Insights sat with product development, which is a bit of the fox watching the hen house, all the way through product marketing. That lived in the product world. And so these self-contained units were creating products for multiple different segments. And that ultimately isn't the smartest way to create or efficient way to create both products or marketing. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality course. Rachel and I both run technology companies. And so I think we empathize with where certain things sit. Are you a technology-led company? Are you a product-led company? Are you a sales-led company? Are you a consumer-led company? And I think both Rachel and I are in agreement that we are a market-led company and we see where the marketplace is going. And then we align the rest of the organization around that. Before you joined, like between the Dr. Bose's passing and your joining, I think your arrival, and we talk about like, you know, the role that you play is bringing the market back into the organization, not just marketing, 
but the voice of the market. So talk to us a little bit about that experience. I, I read a little bit in Digiday. I want to hear from your words. Yeah. So look, like when you talk about market, right, you're really talking about the consumer. And I think that marketing has the responsibility to be the voice of the consumer. You know, when I first came into the organization, you had these incredible engineers creating incredible products that were super innovative, but it was a bit of not having parameters around who they're actually trying to serve. So the first thing I noticed is each different product group had a different consumer that they were targeting, completely different, which means... Your marketing is going to be dispersed across many different audiences. It's not going to be efficient and you're not going to gain collective opportunities then to build long-term value because you can't sell multiple products and multiple solutions to the same audience because everybody has a different audience. And so it became incredibly clear to me that, you know, to succeed in this, we really have to more clearly define who we're trying to serve, and what is our ultimate mission and vision for the company. And part of that just comes through taking the time to listen and learn and reflect what's happening out there in the marketplace through research, right? So step one was bringing consumer insights front and center into the process and doing a market mapping and recreating a segmentation that could work for the company to give it strong guardrails around the mission and vision of the company. I love how you're talking about bringing insights into the center. Insights, what's so fascinating, Sarah and I talk with so many marketers like you, people are still relying on legacy ways of collecting those insights. Working with consultants, paying for third-party research, doing panels. What is Bose's approach to gaining first-party insights? I still think there's a place for all of that legacy stuff that you had mentioned, but I think moving to a more dynamic environment where you're relying more on ethnographies that give you a little more color and texture that you're relying on. So we're also creating large models where we're creating 250, 500 different pieces of creative with different messaging, different parts of the world around different products on different platforms with different content in there at different day parts. And we're starting to see patterns emerge from there not just to optimize the actual creative that's out there in the marketplace or content really that's out there in the marketplace, but also to funnel back into opportunities to develop product or UX. And I think that's where there's a huge, that's where a really strong relationship between marketing and product in the consumer can really thrive is when you're taking those emerging tactics and starting to create insights coming out of that and putting it back into the product development. Because let's face it, like the panel isn't always representative of your audience. And back to my entertainment days, it's funny how PBS would pop in the Nielsen ratings because everybody watches PBS. (laughs) In reality, that's not really true. It's just sort of the way that they behave when they're asked for research in an unnatural environment. Just want to pick on something you said a few seconds ago. Yeah. Because I feel all of our listeners are going to want to understand, how do you do this? Might misquote you a little bit, but you essentially said we're creating 500 pieces of content in 36 different markets. How do you operationalize that? That's the big key. So with some really great partners is the first question. And then having a little bit of multivariant component creative that can be automated. So we're working with a couple of really, really strong 
partners from the outside that have helped us do this. And it's say really it's more across eight markets than it is 36. Where we're really concentrating this to establish that. And what we end up doing is, is that through this, we look at you know, the hierarchy that's established from our, our marketing strategy group of messaging. And we go pretty deep in that. And we start to plug that into different content types. We're very big on creating platform intentional content. So different content for TikTok versus Instagram versus what we do on YouTube and creating those in pieces and parts and then giving it to an AI engine that can just go wild with getting the greatest response back in there. So we optimize for platform, for audience, for product, for day part, because it's different. And then when we're going through that, you know, probably weekly or bi-weekly, we get a series of results back that then we start to tease out insights. Some amazing ones, like for our Quiet Comfort 2 earbuds that have come out with the world's greatest noise canceling product ever, like we're leading with that message in a lot of places, but in certain times, certain days, certain locations, the stability and comfort of it are overriding. Like people don't, and it makes sense because, you know, people don't want to have these very expensive products fall out of their ears. They want to make sure that they're secure and stable. And so we're getting some really great insights coming out of that. What you just said is literally why Bose is winning. I think it's the difference of the winners and the losers to understand how important contextual creative and e-commerce is. Very curious how you're going to answer our famous last question. What's the bravest thing that you've ever done? Outside of trying to raise three teenagers, I take it. That seems very hard. Very hard. Hard and brave. Not necessarily one and the same, <laughs> but but yeah. choosing to have three. Yes. Brave, crazy. That's yeah. where that, that Venn diagram intersects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very true. Very true, Sarah. Look, I think there are a lot of things I can say, but let me turn it to professional because I think it's advice that I give to a lot of people. I started my career in marketing strategy, and I worked for a very big multinational brand in Nissan. At that time, it was long ago where working for a company like that was the ultimate assignment. We had huge media budgets. We got to work on great creative. We integrated with celebrity and sports, and we were global. It was fantastic. But you know, this thing happened with the internet. And I got put on this assignment of figure this thing out. It was before there was a commercial internet. And as I was working on it, I realized this is going to fundamentally change the way that people interact with brands. And um, I didn't know how revolutionary it would be, but I thought it would be pretty monumental. And I quit that job. And I went to work for a dot-com first wave startup. Brand marketers, marketing strategists did not do that back then. It was all about a little bit of peeking around the corner, a little bit about intellectual curiosity and gaining skills that were unique and different from others. And it put me front and center. And, and I actually left automotive to go work for financial services.com, right? Heavily regulated. But what it taught me was the importance of data, the importance of direct communication, the importance of content marketing. And this is I hesitate to say the late 90s. So it really was the first wave. And, you know, I think it was just such an incredible learning experience. And from there, I went on to a real-time data and analytics company, which was also like no marketers did that at the time. And I would just encourage, I would encourage everybody 
to think about those opportunities that are out there. And it was brave because, you know, the dot-com was not guaranteed to succeed. I took a massive pay cut and a chance, but I could at that age. And I would encourage all your listeners to think about their careers in that way. Well, your resume clearly comes through in the work that you're leading at Bose. Folks, if you're looking to see how data-driven marketing and creativity can build brands today, Bose is an amazing case study to follow. Amen. Thanks, really appreciate it. Well, that was really helpful context, hearing both the history of Bose and the story of Dr. Bose as an engineer come marketer and what Jim is bringing as we think going forward. And as Rachel said in the beginning of the episode, we want to make sure that we're bringing the totality of bravery and commerce into the conversation not just fast-moving goods, but also more considered purchases. So if you like this episode, we would encourage you to listen to Eric Nyman, president and COO of Hasbro from a few weeks back. And then earlier this year, we had Keith Bryan at Best Buy talking about digital commerce, synergies between advertising and retail, and a little bit of hint of diversity just to uh, mix things up from earlier this year. So have a listen. If you like this episode, please comment, like, share, and follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Hi, I'm Jackie Cooper, Global Chief Brand Officer at Edelman and the host of Touch of Truth, a new podcast launching on the Adweek Podcast Network. My dad gave me this incredibly smart piece of advice, meet everyone once. As a result, I've met some of the most fascinating and inspiring people on the planet. Now on Touch of Truth, we're coming center stage and sharing the mic to experience stories of truth, insights and visions for the future that will challenge your way of thinking. Touch of Truth is available wherever you listen to podcast. New episodes come out every Tuesday. I do hope to see you there.